Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special edition of Popcorn and Compliance. While we typically look at the movies over this short podcast series, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and myself will take a look at the series Loki. While not technically a movie, it's streaming on the Disney platform, so that's close enough. Over the series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy it. In this episode, Megan and I look at Loki Episode 4, The Nexus Event. This podcast is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Megan Doherty for our continuing uh, review and exploration of Loki today, episode four, The Nexus Event. In this uh, episode, Sylvie tells Loki she escaped from the TVA custody as a child, creating a a unique branch timeline that alerts the TVA, allowing for their rescue and arrest before Lamentus One is destroyed. Mobius leaves Loki in a time loop from his past of Sif attacking him. B-15, as Sylvie show memories of B-15's past life, proving B-15's variant status. Renslayer tells Mobius that C-20 has died from a mental breakdown, but Mobius steals a recording showing Renslayer interrogating a mentally sound C-20, who insists that all the <coughs> TVA workers are variants. Mobius frees Loki from the loop, but Renslayer confronts them and has Mobius pruned. More on that later. Renslayer has Loki and Sylvie brought before the timekeepers, and the great Wizard of Oz is revealed as uh, it was the timekeepers who ordered Loki and Sylvie deleted. B-15 assists Loki and Sylvie, who proceed to defeat Renslayer and the TVA guards. Sylvie beheads a timekeeper, revealing the timekeepers as androids. Loki prepares to tell Sylvie something, and a recovered Renslayer prunes him. Sylvie holds Renslayer hostage, demanding from her the truth about the TVA. In a mid-credit scene, Loki, however, awakens in an unknown realm where the other Loki variants invite him to join them. So, Megan, do you have a cookie or two for us? Uh, just just one, really, um, because of the emotional impact of this episode, which left me inattentive. Uh, but it was about the timekeepers um, and with the way that they were first revealed, set up in that kind of floating misty triangle um they could look like they pulled that exactly like directly from bill and ted's excellent adventure and the world leaders thereof Uh, so i thought that was hilarious um and also because they were they were completely fake uh like as you said exactly the the great and powerful oz uh i have a few more uh first of all kid sylvia is playing with carved figures of valkyrie and a wolf and the latter's a reference to hella's giant canine fenris is seen in thor ragnarok but then we delve into the world of meta, meta, because we move to Star Wars. So first of all, Kid Sylvie is played by Kaylee Fleming, who was previously seen as young Ray in Star Wars The Force Awakens. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yes. Sylvie and Loki sitting calmly by the water as a wave of destruction rolls towards them on Lamentus One is a bit like Jen Erso and uh, Cassie and Andor's final moments in the Star Wars spinoff, Rogue One. And then finally, Sylvie and Loki going back to back to fight the Timekeeper's goons is a bit like Rey and Kylo Ren fighting Snoke's guards in The Last Jedi. When Snoke was revealed to be a puppet uh, for a shadowy villain. And, uh, but of course, uh, you can never go too deep or too meta into Star Wars. One of the most interesting, uh, I don't want to say throwaway lines, but uh, one line that Mobius said, he says, quote, we brought in the, we brought down the Kree, we brought down the Titans and vampires. So if you don't know who the Kree is, uh, go check out Captain America. Uh, they are some bad dudes. Captain Marvel. Uh, and uh, Captain Marvel, I'm sorry. Thank you. The Titans, though, I was a little in, unclear on that reference, but that's actually to Thanos. Mm -hmm. So query, did the TVA bring down a Thanos variant? Very delicious. And then, of course, vampires. So I don't know if it's a, if it's a header or a preview of a new Blade movie or what, but... Um, I don't think we've seen vampires in the MCU before. Well, they did. Um, um, they, they were brought up. Do you remember in Thor Ragnarok uh, when Krog has the three-pointed spear? And it's just like, I guess this would be only useful if you were fighting three vampires who were huddled very closely together. <laughs> so vampires must exist for that to be a reference that was made. Well, uh, if we want to go even meta-meta-er, <laughs> I thought that was uh, a trident that was a reference to Aquaman. And then finally, <laughs> Ravona stabbing Loki in the back mirrored Loki doing that to Agent Phil Coulson in the oh. Avengers. They both appeared dead, but they both returned. So lots of great cookies going on here. And I really like the cross-cultural references, particularly the um, Star Wars. So, uh, but really lots going on here. I thought this was the best episode yet. Um, I have to start, though, with one Star Trek cookie. And that's the time loop with Sith. And uh, for the Star Trek fans out there, I think that was a reference to uh, iMud and Harry Mud being put in purgatory uh, by having 500 wives to chastise him uh, after he tried to take over the Enterprise. So uh, that time loop was cool, but I was thinking that's they did that to Harry Mud 50 years ago. So um, they used a similar um, they used a similar punishment in one of the Voyager episodes when uh, Tom Paris got in trouble on some alien planet. Or maybe it was Harry Kim. Uh, yeah, but definitely that's a, that's the a expert on Voyager. <laughs> I do love Voyager. Yes. So, uh, but let's let's explore Loki getting romantic. What what did you see? Did you see something new? Did you see something different? I have a probably a little bit different spin, but what did you see on the romance part? Well, I think mostly what I, because when I watched it for the first time, I hadn't read or, or looked at anything about it before watching it. And it, it never hit me as, oh, this is going to be a romantic moment. It didn't occur to me or, or strike me that that was a romantic thing. And then I saw all of these, you know, articles on the social media tweets. This is, you know, it's going to be a, a, a love thing. There's going to be romance here. And I just don't necessarily know that there's the case for that. I think it'd be even, even more meaningful than a, a romantic connection for, for, the Lokis to be, you know, sharing affection and kindness and mutual respect and friendship, which has been hugely missing in both of their lives. And, and I guess a personal irritation is that, you know, 
male female relationships always have to go romantic when they don't there's so many awesome kinds of affection and friendship and love i don't think it needs to be romantic so i mean i'm not convinced that that was where it was going i think they were going to have a nice hug and you know maybe just share some words of affirmation with each other and see i went in a completely different direction uh, because i thought this is the ultimate uh in narcissism <laughs> since narcissus I, I think it is completely logical that Loki would fall into love with his female self because it's himself and he can look. He doesn't have to look in the mirror. He doesn't have to look in a reflecting pool. He just looks at Sylvie. And uh, so I thought this was the ultimate expression. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't want to just, you know, meet their gender counterpart selves and just fall in love with them? I think that'd be great. But uh I thought, and even more so, I thought it was in perfect character for Loki uh, as well. So um, I guess I've always read their vibe as more squabbling sibling. And that's that's fair, too. That's fair, too. Uh, Even my two dogs occasionally (laughs) will hit each other accidentally on purpose. Um, Just happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, but I'm going to be really interested to see where that goes. Me, too. Uh, well, how did you feel when Mobius got pruned? I felt so sad. I, I, here he's just talking about how all he really wants in the world is to just hang out somewhere with a jet ski. Um, and I mean, that's after a huge emotional reveal of, oh, my entire existence, as I understand it, is a lie perpetrated by my best friend. Uh, so it, it, um, I, I gasped out loud, frightening my cat. Um, one of the many times in this episode I did. Um, I, I thought it was brutal. I think he's coming back. I don't think this was permanent, but it, it was pretty bad when it happened. I think he knew it was coming, though. He, he was preparing for it. Um, you know, I thought when he first talked about the jet ski, it was uh, a very, to me, poignant moment. And it was clear that he was having some sort of memory and uh, that's why he'd been interested in that time period and jet skis throughout this series. And then then when she pruned him, uh, or had him pruned rather, I thought it was even uh, uglier because he had just had a moment of sort of self-revelation mm-hmm. and maybe even joy. And at that point, she's killed him. Uh, when I first saw it, I thought, that's the Mobius. But then we'll get to the end of the movie and what that may or may not mean. But when we got the, uh, and so my, my views changed as we got to the end of the movie. But uh, I thought it was uh, as telling a moment of uh, Renslayer's character mm-hmm. uh, as anything else, that he has this one moment where he has this self-realization and then he's immediately pruned. and And when he has it, it's not, oh, my God, what's happened to me? It's I want a jet ski. So there's obviously a positive memory in there somewhere. So uh, I thought that was really showed just not only her evilness, but uh, how much she wants people to suffer. So she's not doing real well in the Tom book these days. Oh, and that came up in a, in a, in a few places, too. There was that scene when she was bringing uh, the Sylvie Loki um, into custody and, and Sylvia had asked, you know, what was my event? What, what made you do all of this to me? And that smirk on her face when she said, I don't remember. She remembers. She was just being unkind. Of course. Yeah. But I, yes. I, I, well, that was my, one of my big questions um, from this is, is she in on the game? Does she know she's a variant? Does she know everyone's a variant? 
is she playing along? Does she think it's worth it? Does she think she's doing the right thing? Um, I, I think she's mean, but I'm wondering if it's coming from a decent place. Well, they know, uh, you know, they say uh, people that convert to Catholicism are the most faithful Catholics. <laughs> and my sense is that she's she she knows she's a variant, yet she is the the biggest one trying to uh, kill off all of the variants. I'm going to have to dust off my nun jokes. that she is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Years ago, I was at a, a conference and there had been a, a, a compliance event that involved uh, some sisters and in their investment. And I remember I asked the group, uh, anyone here go to Catholic girls school? And literally they were 10 and they all just hung their heads. <laughs> Even the question brought back memories. Renslayer and Loki's got uh, but, nothing in uh, yeah. the ruler. <laughs> so we, now I think we should discuss the, the pruning of Loki. At first I thought, I guess they have to do that, but he's not going to die. Something's going to happen. Uh, so you want to take it from there? Where does he show up? Who does he show up with? And what do you think it means? Well, I mean, the the, the moment of pruning um, was, was pretty bad because we were just about to find out what he was going to say to Sylvie. And my first thought was, after the shock, okay, so Sylvie's the main Loki character. That's interesting. Um, but then when he woke up in, in the post credit scene to a pile of other Lokis, one of which may or may not be an alligator, uh, I, I thought that was bizarre and delightful. Um, so I'm, I'm incredibly excited for next week because I, I haven't read the comics, so I don't know how much of this is kind of reference or being pulled from, from other storylines. Uh, but they all looked awesome. <laughs> What, what were your thoughts on them? Did any of them ring you as familiar? Uh, no, because before I researched a little bit for this episode, I didn't know there were other Lokis in the comics, and they all are. Um, and But when I read that, it made perfect sense to me what happened, particularly with the uh, – I can't remember the exact line the kid Loki used, but if you want to live, come with us. <laughs> um, and I'm a huge uh, noir movie and book fan. And the classic, you wake up naked in a hotel room, you don't know where you are, the phone rings, and they say, get out of the room now. Uh, and that's a great start to a noir movie. And uh, that's kind of what I felt like. You, you, you have to get out of here now, and we're, we're going to help you. At that point, I didn't know who they were. But uh, to me, that really set up just a whole different set of possibilities Um I just found this episode delicious, Megan, and uh, so much uh, from the cookies to the references to the character development, uh, um, the uh, Loki and Sif and the time loop, Mobius's uh, self-revelation. Yeah, no, the the, the Loki Um, and Sif um, in the time loop scene, that that was I thought that was really touching. just the way it, it enforced this really rapid character growth in Loki, kind of similar to what he'd had over a whole bunch of other Marvel movies in the, in the original timeline. Um, they really got him to self-reflect um, in a way that I don't know a true narcissist could. Uh, so, so I thought that was great. And I, I really like Lady Sif. She's a great character. Well, see, that's the great thing about narcissists. They know they're narcissists and they can mm. drop back into being real people uh, when they choose to. Uh, that's what makes the trickster. That's what makes Loki the trickster. Uh, so the um, uh, character development, where where we might be going, uh, the cookies, uh, 
But here's the, the question I really wanted to pose to you. I think the timekeepers are, are an AI. Do you have any thoughts at this point? Is there a Thanos character out there? Is there a puppet master? Or is this a civilization, not to <clears throat> completely rely on Star Trek, that uh, had some gate timekeepers that used computers, the timekeepers died, uh, the computers took over, and the computers can't remember why they even started? I hope with all of my heart that it's Miss Minutes. I <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe Miss Minutes is the um, manifestation of a sentient AI. Uh, I, that, I think that would just be delicious. That would be delightful. Um, I, I think there's an argument that could be made it's Renslayer. Um, although maybe not because she used to be a hunter and, and came out. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but there's definitely more of her story that we don't know yet and have to learn. And there could be a, a, maybe an exterior multiverse element. Because um, I think and it, we talked before about how this is probably really kind of setting up the chaos for the multiverse of madness. Maybe there's an actor in the multiverse of madness who's making this all happen and pulling the strings. Um, so those are those are my pet theories. What are yours? I think it's an AI, but you raise a very interesting point that there perhaps there's a character in the MCU that either we don't know about or we're not thinking of that um, would tie into some well-known storyline for MCU aficionados who've been reading the MCU for 50 years. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see where we go. Yeah. I love how all of the, the MCU properties are so interconnected. Like it makes watching any of them such a pleasure. Uh, it, it, what a great project. So this is Tom Fox and Megan Doherty. Uh, we hope you'll join us again next week. Bye-bye. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of popcorn and compliance. Megan and I will be reviewing each episode of Loki going forward, so I hope you will join us again for this special episode. If you love the Marvel Cinematic Universe as much as Megan and I do, I know you will enjoy this exploration of Loki going forward. I also hope you will listen to the newest podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network from the Editor's Desk, where I visit with Dave LaFort each month about some of the key stories that have appeared in Compliance Week and will appear, and Dave and I save the world, particularly around the area of sports. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.